I, I want to continue today with this topic I started last week, praying against the great awakening. And uh, I spent some time last week introducing the topic. We, we defined what we meant by, um, by woke or, or wokeness. Originally, it was black uh, American slang and uh, it was actually a, a slogan, stay woke, which meant stay awake to social and political issues. Be alert, in other words. Um, more recently, from about 2010 or so, it's been used often in a derogatory way to um, identify what you might loosely call cultural Marxism, which is roughly equivalent to a whole constellation of left social, political and economic thinking. And I won't take up time today to, to go over that, but we did focus on it last week. I noted last week as well that uh, Christians get pretty angry. We can go to the next slide, thank you. Christians get pretty angry uh, because woke thinking undermines the fundamental tenet of Christianity, which is that every human being has value. Every human being is important. Every human being matters. Matters to God and therefore should matter to us. The problem with woke thinking is that it categorises people as belonging to primarily one or other group, oppressors and victims. So you're born into one or the other group and you carry the guilt or the victimhood of ancestors past. Christians get angry about that because it is counter to the culture of the Christian. It, it runs against, it's in opposition to biblical thinking about humanity and human relationship. And it definitely undermines the idea that because we were created by God, every single one of us has value. We all have worth, not because we belong to a group, but because God created us and God loves us. I shared last week how difficult I find it not to get angry and not to want to attack the leaders of these woke groups, the political leaders, the social leaders. But yet we see in the life of Jesus a great deal of restraint when his disciples asked him, should we call down fire from heaven and consume the wokesters? <laughs> he said, no. <laughs> he said, no. Even when he was being arrested 
You know, he said, look, I could have called down legions of angels. But he didn't. Because God had another way. And we ended last week with some discussion about what Jesus taught us to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And the way in which it's constructed in the original Greek, the on earth as it is in heaven bit, can be said at the end of each of the first three lines. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honoured on earth as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I challenged us all, myself included, to pray along these lines as we think about this great clash between a biblical worldview and the worldview that is held by the cultural Marxists, the, the wokists in our society today. As I was thinking about this during the week, we can go to the next slide, thank you. Maybe we should also pray like this. Our Father in heaven, I will honour your name in thought, word and deed. All of the Gospels except John quote from Deuteronomy 6 verse 5 which says this you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength your mind your mouth and your body or if you like your behavior let us make a commitment to be known as those who honor his name in thought, word, and deed. I will practice kingdom thinking. I will speak kingdom words. I will do kingdom deeds. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Take personal responsibility. I will practice kingdom thinking. I will speak kingdom words, I will do kingdom deeds. And look, this ought to be the topic of a separate discussion point or even a series of discussion points and I just might do that. But that thought came to my head at five o'clock this morning. It was too late to do anything about it straight away. Let me read from you from 2 Chronicles chapter 31 verses 20 to 21. This is about Hezekiah. Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and true before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and to the commandment to seek his God, he did it with all his heart, so he prospered. If we make that commitment to practice kingdom thinking, kingdom speaking and kingdom doing would be like Hezekiah. It's, a great, it's great to actually read about 
Hezekiah, this wonderful man of God. Colossians 3, verses 23 to 24. And whatever you do, do it heartily. That is, with everything. As to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. So be like Hezekiah. Do it according to the will of God. Do it for him. Even if you have a so-called secular job, you're working for the Lord. Do everything as unto the Lord. Finally, I will seek and do your will for my life. I will seek and do your will for my life. Romans 12, 2, of course, is well known. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove or determine or understand what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for you. John 6, 40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who seeks the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. So if you want to know what is the general will of God, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. In other words, that all might come to God through Jesus. So even if you don't know what God's specific will for you is, you know for sure and certain what his general will is that you do all you can to bring others into the kingdom. And how are you going to do that? Honour his name in thought, word and deed. Practice kingdom thinking, practice kingdom words and practice kingdom deeds. I was reading an interesting blog yesterday and it was an answer to the question, this was American, it was an answer to the question, should I put you know, a placard for a political candidate up in my front yard? And the question was asked by somebody who lived in a, in a locked, you know, gated community, and they were surrounded by people who voted Democrat. In America, most people know how you vote, right? It's a big thing in America. Um, when they meet each other, they sort of want to know, are you Republican or Democrat? And uh, these people were Republican. They were Christians, and therefore they were quite conservative and definitely opposed to the policies of the current Republican administration. But the answer was this, broadly speaking. You should be known as a Christian first and foremost, not as a supporter of a political party or a political candidate. And the advice was, if after prayerful consideration you believe that putting that placard up in your front yard is going to um, initiate conversations 
which will bring people into the kingdom of God, then go ahead. Otherwise, think very prayerfully about it. First and foremost, we ought to be known as followers of Jesus Christ, as those who hold to a biblical Christian worldview. If we make these commitments, then the world will know that we are followers of Jesus Christ. Last week I, I mentioned that I wanted to talk a little bit about intercession this week. So we've talked about some confessions that we can make ourselves that guide the way in which we present to the rest of the world. We honour God. We become instruments of heaven on earth. And we seek and do His will, both generally and specifically in terms of what we do with our lives. But let's also be committed to intercession. I believe we need intercession more than we've needed it ever before. Certainly in the Western world. I, as an economist, as someone with economics training, and as you know, I've got a PhD in economics, what I see governments implementing around the world, policies that will drive us into poverty. I see policies that will destroy life as we have become used to it in the Western nations. I see policies that will allow nations like China to become so economically and militarily powerful that they've got the potential to beat the rest of us in a war. And make no mistake, they do have ambitions to be the global power. Make no mistake about it. We're doing most of the work for them by impoverishing ourselves. Now, we don't have to get into long discussions about global warming and our ridiculous responses to COVID-19 and all those kinds of things. But when you have a look at where those policies are leading us, they're leading us into poverty as individuals and as nations. We need to intercede against this Marxist thinking which has gripped policy makers on both sides of politics in Australia, that's for sure. It's gripped our education system I was reading a, an article only this morning which, which touched on this, that we no longer teach our children how to think, we teach them what to think. Even in universities, there's a strong emphasis on what to think, not how to think. We need to intercede, not just stand on the sidelines and wring our hands 
not just get angry. We need to intercede. And I want to share with you some important guidelines. First of all, and, and we all know this, 1 Timothy 2 verses 1 to 4 makes it very clear that we are commanded to pray for those in authority, whether or not we agree with them and whether or not we like them. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, all people, for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So we need to pray. And, and, and it's, I, it's hard. Look, I find it hard because I get angry. I get angry. I get, I, I'm a boy from the bush. I get really angry at so many policies that will ultimately drive our farmers out of business. I, I love the country. I grew up in a country town. Most of the kids I went to school with came from farms or from... Um, uh, their, their mums and dads were involved in industries that serviced the agricultural industries. I still get agricultural newspapers. I don't get to read them every week, but I still subscribe uh, to two country agricultural newspapers. I love it. I studied agriculture in school. And, and, and I'm seeing agriculture destroyed. I'm seeing farmers, they can't even clear land. In some places, you know, like they're not even allowed to graze their animals on Brigalow. Because some government official in an ivory tower in a city who's got no idea decides this is the way to save the planet. I get angry about it. But you know what? The Bible doesn't say to get angry about it. Pray. Pray. Supplications. Prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks huh, when you don't feel like it. When you don't, I, we're destroying young people. Government sanctioned, professional society sanctioned mutilation. No going back for most of these young people. What twisted thinking that makes, makes us angry. And, and look, most of us either have been or will be touched by this kind of thing. 
supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. <laughs> Not so easy to do, is it, eh? Pray for the wicked, including the woke, that they might be evangelized. If we can't do it ourselves, let's pray. Matthew 9, 38. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now this scripture, of course, has been used down the ages to underpin missionary work. We've got an enormous mission field literally in our backyard. Literally in our backyard. In our neighbourhoods, in our workplaces, in the social um, organisations that we're part of. It's there. Now, maybe you and I are not equipped. We're not practised. Maybe we're too shy. Maybe we don't move in those kinds of circles, but let's pray. Let's pray that God will put his finger on those he's destined to bring the truth in a way that these people can understand. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. God is not willing that any should perish. He's not willing. And he will send people out. See, if it's not us, and it may not be, it may not be us in every situation to every person. But pray that he will send his laborers into his harvest. And you know what? If one of them happens to be you or me, let's do it. Let's do it. But it is, I know, so much easier to say. It's really easy just to give intellectual consent. Say, yep, yep, but you wait <laughs> until God puts his finger on you. Pray for the seed of the living word to be planted in the hearts of the woke. Romans 10, verses 12 to 17. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever. Does that omit anybody? That means even the woke. For whomever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they, and how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The message has to be taken before it can be planted in the hearts of anybody, let alone those who hold 
to philosophies that are diametrically opposed to those that are at the heart of Christianity. The seed cannot be planted in the hearts unless it is taken first. Unless people hear the word, which is the seed, it won't be planted. So here are three areas for intercession. First, let's pray for them. Second, let's pray for evangelism among them, bearing in mind that God might happen to call us to do it. Might. I'm not saying he will. He will call people to do it in response to our prayer. It may or may not be us personally. And pray for the seed of the living word to be planted. That's how to intercede. And everybody can be an intercessor. Now, it's not actually an office. It's not one of the offices which is listed in the word of God. An intercessor is someone who intercedes. And interceding effectively is standing in the gap or taking up the slack. And the gap is a gap in thinking, but it's more a gap in relationship with the living God. That's what's going to change people. That's what will change people. Now let me encourage you to keep on interceding. We pray and God answers. However, some reject the truth. God never closes his ear to our prayer. So when we pray, he definitely hears. And he starts things happening in the spiritual realm. However, as you know, I believe that we have freedom to choose, every one of us. It's what some theologians call a libertarian freedom. We can pray. God can do things in the spiritual realm, effectively wooing people to him, but they still have to respond. So we shouldn't give up. We should keep on interceding. Even if we don't see results, we must know that God hears and that God acts, but at the same time we need to understand that the people for whom we pray have a choice. If we didn't have a choice, we wouldn't be moral beings because being moral simply means you have the capacity to make a choice. We're made in the image of God. God is a moral being. So too are we. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 4, I think it is, sheds some light on this. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. 
but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So they are making a choice. Our prayers are effective in moving God, but he does not overrule the free will of human beings. God gave Adam and Eve the choice to obey. God called out on Israel to choose this day whom you will serve. We get to choose truth or lies. So we can pray. We can be assured that God hears. We can be assured that God acts. But what we cannot be assured of is that they will respond positively. And look, we know from reading Revelation, even right at the end of human history, right at the end of the period of tribulation, there are people who could not possibly think that God doesn't exist, who will still reject him. They'll still make that choice. But it isn't because our prayer has failed. It's because people have exercised their moral right to make a choice. So please, 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 don't feel down in the dumps because your prayer isn't being answered when you're praying for the woke. They still have to make a choice. You see, they've been darkened. The gospel is veiled to them because of their thinking. And as we talked um, last week, that you know God gives people over to these deceptions, to their behaviours. So it's no small thing for somebody to change their mind. Remember, our real battle is not against the woke, but it is against the spirit of wokeness. And, and if we are going to get angry, let's not get angry at the individuals. And look, I told you, this. I have to confess, I, I get angry. I do get angry. And, and I get angry at the people so often when I should be angry at the spirit behind them because they've opened themselves up to a lying deceitful destroying spirit Ephesians six twelve says this and we all know it for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness wickedness in the heavenly places you see so our battle is essentially going on in the spiritual realm most of the time we don't see it most of the time sometimes we do we we, we do sometimes get a glimpse into the spiritual realm it's happened for me once or twice 
It definitely happened for Daniel. And, and I'd strongly urge you, read Jan Daniel chapter 10. Because he gets an insight into what's happening in the heavenly realm in response to his prayer. There's a great battle going on. And it takes time for his prayer to be answered. Not because God didn't hear it. Not because God didn't do things in the spiritual realm. But because there was opposition in the spiritual realm. So remember that. Remember that. Don't, don't stop interceding. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You know, all of these powers and principalities, they were created by God and they were good. Like everything else, they were affected by sin. They've been marred by sin. And now there are principalities and powers that are arraigned against God. They're arraigned against His people. I was um, looking for uh, an illustration to go on this slide. I was looking for something to sort of represent evil spirits. And most of the stuff that came up was, was all about Halloween. And, you know, I go into shops, supermarkets, what is with people? Honestly. You know, you can go down to Helen's Vale, right? And go to that fear show. What would you want to do that for? <laughs> Seriously. Like, we've got this kind of macabre attraction to Halloween, blood and guts. It's, I don't get it. I just don't. People want to make themselves ugly. I don't get it. So you know what? I decided I wouldn't. Instead, I'd use a cross. Because there, <laughs> that's our weapon. That's our weapon. See, Jesus defeated the enemy. He defeated the enemy. Now, the, the full consummation of that defeat will not manifest until the end of human history, until Jesus comes to reign forever, until the new Jerusalem, the new heavens, the new earth have been created. But this is our weapon right now. Here and now, as we enforce the victory that Jesus Christ won on the cross, that's the power. That's the power. It'll overcome everything else. You know, I even saw the pictures of, of demons. I've seen a demon exactly like it was this one I saw. It was a faceless thing. It was just a black space with a cloak and a hood. I've seen that demon. I've seen a demon exactly like that. And I thought, no, I'm not going to give that any glory. I'm not putting that kind of stuff up on the screen. Because it's the cross where the victory lies. Our challenge, I believe, is this. Intercede until our last breath. Intercede until our last breath. Like the frog. <laughs> 
never ever give up. God bless you.